All right, before you're seated, here's what I want you to do. We're in, we're in the series on the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are these, blessed are those. Today we're going to talk about blessed are the meek. All right, so just turn to your neighbor and, and get accustomed to saying it. Turn to your neighbor and say, did you know that the meek are blessed? Did you just turn to them? Uh-huh. They don't have to answer you. They don't have to answer you. And then you can be seated. Then you can be seated, all right? No answers required. All right. As I said, we're in the middle of a series of messages taken from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Did you know that the Sermon on the Mount has been considered to be the greatest message ever delivered? And, of course, it was delivered by Jesus the Messiah. And uh, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he provides us ten verses that include eight characteristics of a happy life. These are the eight Beatitudes And we've been already looking at those up to this point. We've already talked about about the purposes of these, what we feel like Jesus had in mind when he was teaching these. And we've already looked at two. Let's see if we can remember what they were. We we already have learned what it means to be blessed because each of them say what? Blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. And to be blessed means to what? It means to be fortunate, to be envied. It means to be happy. And full of God's life. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to you and to me. And he's saying, if you want to be a kingdom of the citizen of heaven or a citizen, (coughs) pardon me, of heaven or the kingdom of God, you need to act like it. These are attitudes, but they're also characteristics of life. These are unbelievably practical characteristics of how Christians should look different from non-Christians. And Jesus is setting the mark very, very high. So he was drawing a contrast. It's very interesting that each of these are in very direct contrast to what worldly thinking, secular behavior is like. And he's saying, folks, here is what you, as my followers, here's what you should look like. Here's what you should think like. Here's what your behavior should be. These are the characteristics of kingdom followers. So we've already seen that blessed are the poor in spirit, which means to be spiritually bankrupt, a place of desperation, desperation, bankruptcy, nothing to offer God, but realizing that we desperately need him because without him, we are nothing. And then last week, we looked at Blessed are those who mourn, literally meaning to wail, to cry out, out of deep anguish or sorrow. Blessed are the mourn, and what's the promise to those who mourn? They're going to be what? Comforted. That's a good promise, isn't it? All right, so today we find ourselves, and I'm just going to read to you uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, because that's where we currently are. We're going to look at the third beatitude today. So I'll begin reading in verse 1 once again. Matthew 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's where we are today. Now, 
Here's the reality, because this is just as applicable today as it was during the days of Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount. If we were summarized today what some of the unwritten rules of American life, let's just apply it to where we live, the unwritten rules of American life stretching from professional football to elementary playgrounds, from big business to a kid's lemonade stand, what would that American life rule be? Let me give you a couple examples. One rule would be this. The strong rule the weak. It'd be kind of an American motto, wouldn't it? The strong always rule the weak. Put another way, the rule would say, look out for number one. Or only look out for number one. Or one of my all-time favorites is the one with the toys. The one with the most toys wins. All right? I mean, would you agree those kind of mantras of American life? So we live in a day, honestly, where people are motivated and instructed to push to get their way and to push their way to the top of something, where people are manipulating for power, doing anything they can to get more power, influence, and authority. Uh, People today uh, go to every extreme. Uh, There's actual words and phrases that uh, people are taught. Power lingo. If you use these words, you'll have greater power. Uh, We know that there are also what are termed as as maneuvers in the business world or in employment world uh, called power plays. So whenever you ever know someone who made a power play uh, in order to achieve or get something uh, on their job, uh, we also know, I mean, we, we're even told you have to wear power clothes, right? A power clothing, like people have a power tie. You ever heard anybody talk about a power tie? That's my power suit, I've heard people say. I've heard ladies say, well, I'm going to wear my power dress tomorrow because of this or that. I'm like, I didn't think it all looked that powerful. But anyway, I mean, that's no offense, no offense. That's the world we live in, right? So in contrast to that, we have Jesus teaching us how to have the right blessed attitudes to be envied, to be happy, to be fortunate, to, be, uh, to have this kind of life where we're living for God and it shows. And he gives us some guidelines. And the one we're talking about today is in the King James, it says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now, here's what's really, really important. We need to take some time to think about the meaning. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Our problem is, is that people today, in our world today, the word for meekness that was valid and appropriate under New King James English isn't, doesn't suggest the same thing today. So when you were the, use the word meekness today, people immediately draw a relationship between meekness and what? Weakness. Weakness. We think meekness, man, you'll never get anywhere in life if you're just meek. I mean, you can't do it. Part of the reason people say that is because they don't understand what the word meek means. 
Number two, the reason that people say that is because that's not the world's way. Meek people don't get ahead, the world would say. But Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek because what? They'll actually inherit the earth. That The earth is theirs. That's the prize is you get to be uh, literally influencers in the earth. So let's take a moment and really get into the word. Do you mind? We, we have to do a word study here. It's just necessity. So we have to stop for a moment and say, break down and parse. What is that original word? What is the meaning of meekness? And so from this point on, I'm actually going to start using a better word. It's a word that other translations use uh, instead of meekness. And it is the word gentleness. All right. But it deserves a little bit more unpacking than that. So what does the word meekness mean? It is an interesting Greek word, prautes, which uh, William Barclay said is one of the most challenging words in all the Greek language to give a good translation for using today's English. So it's not an easy word for us to translate, and, uh, and that's why a lot of people get confused. So clearly the last thing that Jesus meant was to equate meekness with weakness. That is not what he intended to do at all. The word proutus, or meekness or gentleness, uh, it might be helpful to know how that word, sometimes it's helpful to find what the, the, the word was in its original form, and then find out how was that word, since it was a Greek <laughs> word, how was it used in the Greek world? How was it used in the classical Greek writings? So I found three different ways that are primary, and we'll see a correlation between them, that that word was used. First of all, it was used to describe by, by medicine and medical doctors, it was used to describe a type of medicine that was considered to be a soothing kind of a medicine. Interestingly enough, there seemed to be some concern about the use of this medicine in those days. They said, because if you use too much of this medicine, it, it, it's really bad. But if you don't use enough, it doesn't soothe and provide healing. So the, the balancing of the amount of that, that gentle, meek medicine uh, was really important. Another word, uh, another uh, kind of a word picture that this oftentimes was used to describe was uh, the word proutus or gentle was used to describe as an adjective to describe a storm or wind. It was said, for example, a gentle, the word gentle proutus, referred to a smooth, gentle, soothing breeze. Now, we were out yesterday with some of our college-age singles at a pool party, and uh, it was a hot, how I many you know it was a hot day yesterday? It was a hot day. But it just so happened right where we were uh, sitting in this beautiful backyard, kids were playing and going crazy, playing games, and so we were sitting there under a little bit of shade, but the breeze was wonderful. So we just happened to be, I guess, in the right position because it was very comforting and gentle. And although it was a hot day, there was this nice breeze. How many of you, that's one reason you like to go to the beach is because even though it's hot, you've got a nice breeze coming in off the water, right? Yeah. So the word proutus spoke as an adjective of a certain kind of a breeze that was gentle and caused people to feel refreshed. Now it's interesting you get too much wind, and it can actually be what? A storm. So contrast in your mind for a moment a gentle breeze with a wild hurricane. 
still wind. But you can see the correlation here. The idea is we're talking about wind. One time it's gentle and it's moderate and it's, and it's a gentle breeze blowing in from the ocean. While we know that wind can rage and do actual damage, when it blows gently, it brings comfort, soothing comfort and enjoyment. The third word and the most common word where this adjective is used in Greek language was referred to a unbroken, untamed, wild horse. All right, so I want you to picture this, all right? This is, these are wild stallions or wild horses. If you never had any experience with any, at least maybe you've seen a movie clip or something about Okay, So you're talking about these wild horses and the idea of Proutus was the fact when, when a wild stallion or wild horse had proper taming, training, they would, you, you've watched cowboys try to tame a wild horse to get to the point of putting a saddle on it, putting a bridle in it. It can be quite a process, right? Some of you may have experience and do that. But once the horse is bridled, you have this animal with almost unlimited strength, power, but has been now tamed and bridled. So the word, if we had to give a definition for what the word proutus means, or today I'm going to use the word gentleness instead of meekness, it means this, strength or power under control. Strength or power, great strength and power, but under some kind of control. So it's interesting that in each of these examples where the word was used in classical language, it's interesting that to the extreme, each are dangerous. Too much of the medicine that was said to be gentle medicine, too much of it could actually hurt you in your health. Too much wind, wind's good. But too much of it, out of control, and what? We lose houses and property, and it's destructive and harmful. A wild horse, can you try to ride or enjoy a, a wild stallion that's never been bridled? It can be destructive. You can get knocked off and hurt yourself, right? So it's interesting that in each of these cases, what we see in common is that the forms, each forms of a form of power can be used for good if it is tamed. So meekness or gentleness is power that has been harnessed for good. Just remember, just back to the picture of the horse. I think I've got a picture up here. All right, there we go. So picture this wild horse running free, joined total freedom, and he has an owner that is, uh, owns the horse. Is the horse of any use to the owner, the master, while he's in that condition? Not really. Not profitable, can't ride it, it's not very useful. But if they can somehow get that wild stallion to be bridled, tame, break the, break the will to the point of getting actually to where that horse can then be ridden. Let me ask you this question. Once the horse is tamed, is the horse any less strong than it was before it was tamed? Same strength. Amazing power. 
in that wild stallion. But what's the difference? Now it's useful. Now it's actually beneficial to the master who has gone through all the trouble in order to bridle and bring all of that power and strength under the control of a bit. And I don't know how much you've ever thought about it, but you know, if you have a horse with great power, these beautiful horses that sometimes we see running the, uh, the Preakness and all these different races, just, just an incredible specimen you know, of power. But all it takes is just a little twitch of the reins. And the horse can turn on a dime. And I've often thought, isn't that, it's just this incredible picture of power, but yet the jockey or the one who's riding it or the trainer doesn't have to do a lot. Once they have yielded to the bridle and to a saddle, it doesn't take much. Turn the direction. And now all of that power and strength has been bridled and is at the disposal of the master, the one, the owner, the one who's riding it. Think for a minute now. Use that as a word picture. I want you to think of you and me. So we have a lot of, many times, unbridled power, strength, emotion, ideas, all kind of stuff. And we can be dangerous. We can, we can be like a hurricane. Okay? We can be like too much medicine. We can be like a wild horse that's, that's tearing up every, every time you try to fence them in. All they're doing is breaking down the fence and going wild. I know a lot of Christians who know Jesus, but who are totally unbridled. Who have never allowed their life to be brought under the careful discipline of the master, Jesus. So that we could get to the point, this is a great objective, to get to the point, this, I think this is what Jesus is saying, blessed are the gentle. In other words, blessed are those who come to the point of so yielding your life to whatever it takes to get you tamed. And some of us are a little bit wilder than others. Some of us have a little bit more uncontrolled strength and power than others. But the goal for all of us is the same. Jesus wants to be able for us to be useful. Whether it's serving the needy, whether it's um, sharing the good news with someone, whether it's preaching the word or worshiping or uh, ministering in whatever way it is. All of us are ministers. Every believer is called to be a minister. So the, but the problem is we cannot effectively be used by God until we're gentle. We can actually, I know people who try to do that and they can be potentially destructive. They can damage other people. They can be destructive. Not to mention destructive in terms of their own testimony to others who don't know Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me on the meaning of this word? All right, so the whole idea is the common thread in all these images is that meekness or gentleness represents different forms of power that can all be used for good if it is tamed and the right measured amount. So, I want us to go from the concept of what meekness is to now just trying to make it ap applicable to our life. All right. So I just want to give you, maybe I, I, I'm going to answer the why question. 
because many of us are like, you know, that's just not part of my, that's not really how I'm built. You know, I'm just, I'm kind of a wild stallion by nature. But Jesus says, blessed are the gentle. Okay? And pretty good promise connected to it. They're blessed and they'll inherit the earth. So why should we be gentle? So let's answer that by offering you some benefits. I'm going to give you six of these. And uh, I don't have much time, but I've got to run through these pretty quick. All right, so here we go. And I think it's, it's going to be easier because I put all the scriptures on the slides, all right? So not a lot of time for illustrations, but I'm going to at least give you these. Number one, because gentleness curbs conflict. Do you know that gentleness has the ability to curb, diffuse, and to de-escalate conflict? How many of you know that conflict is not a question of when it happens, it's going to happen. I mean, it's not a question of if it's going to happen. The question is when. People have conflict, right? Even Christians have conflict. Someone say amen. amen. Churches have conflict. Someone say amen. All right. But gentleness has the ability to de-escalate and defuse conflict. Let me give you scriptures. Proverbs 15.1 says this. A gentle, that's, that's where we're talking about here. A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger if we will simply learn gentleness in our speech what we say to people if someone challenges you or someone says something to you turn it down turn the temperature down it's hard but someone told me a lesson many years ago when other people raise their voice that they're raising the volume of the voice because it's getting intense what's the, our natural tendency Raise our voice. We're trying to going to compete with it. But if, if they'll raise their voice, if you'll lower yours, you'll find that a gentle, see, that's the idea of controlled, a gentle, not a weak, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stir up anger. That's a great relational lesson there, isn't it? I like the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 4 that says, and, and it's a different translation, but it says this. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. Boy, some, somebody here probably needs to hear that today. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit or a gentle spirit can overcome even great mistakes. This teaches us what? Gentleness, this wonderful kingdom quality, has the ability to actually de-escalate conflict. Number two, second reason why we ought to really work on learning this is because gentleness has the ability to disarm criticism i don't know how long you've lived but if you live for a while you're going to find yourself criticized and the more success that comes in life the more criticism you can bank on getting the more visible, if you become a leader in one respect or the other, the more visible your leadership is, I promise you, the more opposition and criticism will come your way. Preach too short today. You didn't preach long enough. You know, you're not, you didn't notice me today. You, I could, you know, something happened and you weren't as compassionate as you should have been. I've heard them all. Two scriptures. 1 Corinthians 4.13. Watch this. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. This is the Apostle Paul who had been through a lot of criticism. He said, how do we appeal? We appeal to others gently. 
meek, gentle, tenderhearted, humble. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage. We're treated like everyone's trash right up until the very present moment. Paul was saying, man, you just don't know what we go through. But he understood. He said the way we handle it is we appeal gently when negative evil attacks come against us. 2 Timothy 2.25 is speaking about pastors, really. I mean, Paul was speaking to Timothy as a pastor, and this is what he said. He said, the Lord's servant, which can, this can apply to all of us, but uh, it was written to a pastor. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Don't get into arguments. Don't always get into fights. But must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, and opponents or those that criticize must be gently instructed. Gently instructed. Galatians 6 always also tells us when someone has been overtaken with a sin and those of you who are more spiritual in the group, you're supposed to bring them into restoration. But does it tell you how to do it? Yes, with gentleness. There's a way to help people. There's a way that we can disarm criticism. John Piper said, meekness is the power to absorb adversity and criticism without lashing back. Boy, I've got a lot of growing to do when it comes to gentleness. How about you? Must just be me. Number three. (laughs) Number three, third benefit. Gentleness is persuasive. How many of you are involved in some kind of sales in one way or the other? There's product or services that you're responsible to bring in. How many of you are involved in that? Not a lot of salesmen here. All right. Um, this is this is good word for all of us, but but I think it relates to people who are involved in sales. Uh, in Proverbs twenty five fifteen, the last part of the verse says, "With patience you can convince a ruler." You you might just want to replace that word with employer or boss or even your client. With patience you can convince a ruler. And watch this, and a gentle word can get through to even the hard-headed. Does anybody know anybody here who's hard-headed? Anybody have a boss that's hard-headed? Anybody have a client or two that are hard-headed? You say, well, how, how in the world do I get through to them? Well, it's a gentle word. The way you speak, if you can mix it with gentleness and just the way you carry yourself. Uh, we live in, we, it used to be uh, sales trainers, the primary way of selling product was always had to do with the hard sell. I think we've all been subject to the hard sale approach, right? Uh, studies have shown that today, less than ever before, hard sell doesn't work. Um, in, in, in fact, what's being promoted more and more now are uh, some, of these, some of these biblical principles. Uh, a gentle approach. That doesn't mean a good salesman doesn't close the deal. But hard hammering, pressuring just doesn't work. What does it make you do when someone comes that way? It makes you what? Just back on and say, no way can do it. Um, my, my youngest son is a senior sales um, in a technology arena. And uh, if you knew my youngest son, his his personality is just by personality he's tender, and uh, he's really good at his job. But he started working for a new company, and the sales manager of the company, and this culture of that company is like, man, you've got to get tough, you've got to get hard, you've got to make to make. 
And that's not his wiring. And it's also not his own sales philosophy. He's a really good salesman. So he's now been with the company for one year, but for the first six months, they were trying to force him into doing the hard sell approach. And he said, listen, if you guys would just leave me alone, I promise you I'll bring results. But you're going to have to trust that I know how I can sell and benefit my customers best. And his method is I build a friendship and I build a trust and I learn the product knowledge like nobody else. And when it comes to needing it and selling, I'm going to make the sale. Guess who they're going to come to for the sale? So it's taken a year for the company to realize he, he, he does this. But still, the, the company culture, the corporate culture is hardcore, hard sell. And there's some companies and products that that's the way they do it, right? But I think this is a great way to make a sale, a gentle approach. Gentleness is persuasive. Number four, gentleness communicates love. Gentleness communicates love. Uh, this is a good husband-wife uh, verse and thought. Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives and be gentle with them. Last night as I was putting the final touches to my message, Carrie heard me say this. She said, yes! <laughs> yes! I've been trying to tell you that. I'm like... Can't hear from God and you at the same time, honey. Just time out. <laughs> Tomorrow we'll talk about this. Husbands, love your wives, but be what? Be gentle with them. Again, does that mean be weak? No. It means power, authority, under control. Oh, this is a great quality, isn't it? Number five. Just have five and six and we're done. Five. Gentleness is an incredible witness to unbelievers. I think all of these Beatitudes, if we could walk in all these Beatitudes, man, people would be astounded at your lifestyle. And they'd say, man, what do you know I don't know? And you could win them to Jesus. Titus 3.2 says this, they must not slander. This is actually talking about leaders. They must not slander anyone and they must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should what? Be gentle. And show true humility to everyone. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as the Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. So in other words, this has to do with someone you're having a conversation with, someone who doesn't know Christ, and they're challenging your faith. They're, they're saying, well, why, how in the world do you believe this? And why would you believe in the resurrection? So how do we give answers? Which it's good to give a reason for our our faith, but do it how? With gentleness and respect for people. Don't ever disrespect people. And that's how we will win unbelievers. One more point. It's a good benefit. Great benefit. Gentleness simply makes me like Jesus. Makes you like Jesus. The well-known verse that we all know in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 Jesus says to all of us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, right? Everybody knows that part. The next verse says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Don't have a lot of time to talk today about the whole yoke thing, but it's, it's great. Uh, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, because why? Jesus says, if you'll, if you'll get yoked to me, I'm what? I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest. Picture yourself being yoked 
to a wild, uncontrollable stallion. What does that yoke do to you? It jerk your neck off. Right? So the last thing we want to do is be yoked to someone that's out of control. But Jesus is saying, you're going to want my yoke. Because if you accept my yoke, I'm going to be yoked to you because I am gentle, power, yes, strength, yes, but under the perfect control of the Holy Spirit and self-control. The Bible tells us, you may have you know, connected on this already this morning, but this word that we're studying this morning, blessed are those who are gentle, is actually listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. <coughs> Gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Again, meekness is not weakness. But gentleness suggests to us being humble, uh, being able to respond in situations that's not, not, not wimpy, but not out of control. And I believe that God wants all of us to learn and to grow in our ability to be gentle. Do you agree with that? Gentleness promises that we will actually inherit the earth and be the Christian's and in dominion as God wants us to be. Would you stand to your feet? How many would say, Pastor, God, I've got a little work to do this week. Hmm? Got a little work to do this week. Heard something that doesn't quite resemble my behavior lately. Can we just all pray together as we close? Ask for the prayer teams to come forward for additional ministry. Lord, we invite you to train us. We accept the teaching. Blessed are the gentle. Thank you for helping us to get understanding, but we ask now, Holy Spirit, for you to take greater, greater, greater control of our character, our inner life, our behavior. This fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, we recognize that it is a quality that, frankly, you don't see in people who don't know you. But Christ, you live in us by the Holy Spirit. And we ask that you, you would teach us to learn to walk by the Spirit, allow you to be in more control of our lives so that we can be more gentle and represent you. So Lord, thank you for the powerful applications to our lives. And we pray that you would bless us today with it. In Jesus' name. I want you to come forward to receive prayer for any need that you may have in your life. Our prayer teams are positioned here to pray and agree. And if you don't know Jesus, you may come up and receive prayer because this quality of meekness will be an impossible task if Christ is not the Lord of your heart. If you'd like to, you can also fill out a connect card and make that decision on one of those cards and place it in one of the drop boxes at the back. So I'm going to bless you here as you go and uh, allow you just to be dismissed and we'll be reverent to allow ministry here at the front. I bless you today with peace, with the love of God that overflows. I bless you today with more gentleness than you've ever known before. I bless you today with safety and protection and health for you and your family. That everywhere you go this week, you'll represent Jesus in what you do and in what you say. Amen and amen. Enjoy your day.